Please take your Bibles and turn to Genesis 30. There are a few Bibles there too, if you'd like to follow along. Genesis 30, verses 25 through 43. We may not get through all of this today, but that's okay. We can do some of it next week if we have to. We'll see how it goes. Genesis 30, verses 25 through 43. As soon as Rachel had born Joseph, Jacob said to Laban, send me away that I may go to my home, <clears throat> to my own home and country. Give me my wives and my children for whom I have served, served you that I may go. For you know the service that I have given you. But Laban said to him, if I have found favor in your sight, I have learned by divination that the Lord has blessed me because of you. Name your wages and I will give it. Jacob said to him, you yourself know how I have served you and how your livestock has fared with me. For you, know, <clears throat> for you had little before I came and it has increased abundantly. And the Lord has blessed you when, wherever I turned. But now, when shall I provide for my own household also? He said, what shall I give you? Jacob said, you shall not give me anything. If you will do this for me, I will again pasture your flock and keep it. Let me pass through all your flock today, removing from it every speckled and spotted sheep and every black lamb and the spotted and speckled among the goats and they shall be my wages. So my honesty will answer for me later when you come to look into my wages with you. Everyone that is not speckled and spotted among the goats and black among the lambs, if found with me, shall be counted as stolen. Laban said, good, let it be as you have said. But that day Laban removed the male goats that were striped and spotted and all the female goats that were speckled and spotted every one that had white on it and every lamb that was black and put them in charge of his sons. And he set a distance of three days journey between himself and Jacob and Jacob pastured the rest of Laban's flock. Then Jacob took fresh sticks of poplar and almond and plane trees and peeled white streaks in them, exposing the white of the sticks. He set the sticks that he had peeled in front of the flocks in the troughs, that is the watering places where the flocks came to drink. And since they bred when they came to drink, the flocks bred in front of the sticks. And so the flocks brought forth striped, speckled and spotted. And Jacob separated the lambs and set faces, the faces of the flocks toward the striped and all the black in the flock of Laban. He put his own droves apart and did not put them with Laban's flock. Whenever the stronger of the flock were breeding, Jacob would lay the sticks in, in the troughs before the eyes of the flock that they might breed among the sticks. But for the feebler of the flock, he would not lay them there. So the feebler or the weaker would be Laban's and the stronger Jacob's. Thus the, the man increased greatly and had large flocks, female servants, and male servants, and camels and donkeys. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God endures forever. Let us pray. 
Heavenly Father, give us your spirit to teach and illuminate your word deep into our hearts that we might apply it to our lives and put sin to death more and more and then live unto righteousness more and more. And then let us praise you for your gospel because you do not grade us on how well we do, but we do this because you love us so. We praise you for this in Jesus' name and for his glory we pray. Amen. Okay, there's a lot of weird stuff going on in this passage. We already had a lot of weird stuff in the passage we talked about last week. This is a messed up family. And that ought to give us all hope. That God could work in the midst of polygamy, which he forbids. That God could work and draw out of this mishmash of emotional bleeding over and and everybody in everybody's business and all of these things going on that goes on in all families that are on the earth since the fall of man. God can work in any one of us. That ought to make us feel good and give us hope. By way of introduction, I want to talk about the police for a second. You know what the whole, uh, the motto of the police almost everywhere is to serve and to protect, right? In fact, they serve by protecting. They, in a sense, provide something that we can't provide for ourselves in an ordered society. We can to some extent, but we need the police and we need them to be good men that aren't corrupt. Well, there was a policeman, I read this and actually wanna, if, you, if you're in school, you might've read the story. I know it was on Amy's assignments. I don't remember all the details of the story, but there was one policeman that noticed a young African-American boy had to, out in California that had to walk like uh, for two hours to get to his job. And this policeman stopped him and was asking what, you know, what, what's going on here? And he told him about it. So that policeman went back to his brother in, in the police department and got, him to, got them to raise money and raise $500 to get him a bicycle that changed his commute to work from two hours to a half hour. Don't normally hear those kinds of stories. That's a good, good story, a good news story. It actually happened. It was reported, forgetting what newspaper. I have to look at Amy's book again. This policeman provided for this young man out of compassion. Well, what does provide mean? We want, to, we want them to protect, but what about provide? Provide, if you break down the word, it starts with pro, which means toward, and video. That V-I-D at the end is the same root word as we get video from. So toward vision. So there's a movement toward vision. Active steps to make that vision happen, which is exactly what that policeman did. And that touches on the, the main idea for this text. The Lord provides and protects for his covenant or protects and provides for his covenant people. How does the Lord protect and provide for his covenant people? Through the mediator, he blesses by honoring that mediator's work, cursing the enemy's schemes and bearing the, his people's sins. Try to get through this as quick as possible. So first of all, how does the Lord protect through the mediator that he blesses by honoring that mediator's work? We see this in verses 25 through 34. 
And in this, we see just right off the get go, I'm going to tell you the application. The Lord ensures the mediator gets all that he's earned. And that is for us as his people. So let's first look at the work of the mediator. The work of this mediator. You know who the mediator is in this passage? Jacob. <laughs> and it's a funny pick, right? He's kind of a deceptive. He's a weaselly little one. All right. But he does this through family identification. In verse 25, he is protecting family identity through separation. He wants to go back to the homeland. He does not want to live among these pagans anymore. Even though his family reflects a lot of that paganism too. But God's at work. It's little by little. He's doing his work. So he says there, send me away, go back to my own home. And it, Paul picks up on this theme when he calls Christians in 2 Corinthians 6, verses 14 and 17. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers for what partnership is righteousness with lawlessness or what fellowship is light with darkness. There's, there's a basic motivation that if you get too deeply connected with someone who doesn't share your values in Christ, you're going to clash. And that's in all kinds of relationships. We've got to be wise about that. Therefore, Paul says, he's quoting from the scriptures, therefore go out from their midst and be separate from them, says the Lord. It doesn't mean like go out and live. Um, I don't mean to criticize anybody, but I'm not thinking, it's not talking about Amish style living here. It's talking about living in the world, but not being of it. And that's why we need to be in church because it's very easy for anyone, including preachers, to get absorbed into the world around us. And so what does he do to, to ensure this? He commands security from his work. He tells Laban, this uh, brother of his mother, give me my wives and my children. And again, we've already talked about polygamy. The Bible is not endorsing polygamy here. God is just putting up with it. Okay, that means that God is gracious. Because it says in Genesis 2, 24, like in your scripture sheet there, therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh. One woman, one man. And so the mediator is saying, I am now Lord of these people. You have no claim on them. I've done the work. And it's just like, in a much better way, Jesus did for his people. Hebrews 2, 14 through 16. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, meaning he took on flesh and blood, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. For surely it is not angels that he helps but he helps the offspring of Abraham. You know who the offspring of Abraham are? Us. That's what we just marked out in 8 for us. Everyone in here that's a member of this church has been baptized at one point or another, in one way or another, marked out by God. So we have there the work of the mediator and now we see God at work through the mediator in verse 27. Laban is a pagan. He's an unbeliever. He says he's learned by divination. Now, that could have been a lot of things. We don't know for sure what he did. Could be casting things like casting lots on the ground and reading how they fall. 
Entrail readings was a common thing to take out the inner organs, of, inner organs of an animal, particularly the intestines, and to somehow read their formation, and that would guide you in the future. <laughs> but even through this mess, all these guts, maybe, the Lord was present. Notice what he says, that the Lord has blessed me because of you. That's what he found out. And yes, that's, that was true. God condescended in his providence using a pagan means, which is a secondary thing. It's not the thing he devised that would be the right way to do it, but he used it anyway against the seed of the serpent. Because Jacob is the mediator at this point. And God works through all kinds of common things every day. Jesus himself taught this. Matthew 5 is called common grace. For you have heard it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your father who is, heaven, who is in heaven. And this is the key part. For he makes the sun to rise on the evil and on the good. And he sends rain on the just and on the unjust. God uses everything. Nothing gets left on the field, so to speak. And so what are his wages? Verses 28 through 34. Well, he calls Laban to provide for his household. Verses 28 through 30. He calls for fair wages in verse 28. He is mediating for the blessing of his family. Notice how Jesus does this so much better for his family. For there is one God and there is one mediator between God and men. The man, Christ Jesus. There are no others. No other. When I say this word, I want to say religions. I don't mean this. Christian religions, like we tend to use that word in the South, like other religions, I mean, Baptist, Presbyterian, Methodist, Lutherans, Assemblies of God. That's not what I'm talking about. When I say religions, I mean like Islam, Christianity, Judaism, uh, Hare Krishnas, Hinduism, all of that stuff. The, the broader world religions. Those religions won't save you. Only Christ in Christianity can save you. There is one mediator, Paul says. And he's a man. And that's important because he's bringing God's blessings to you. But he can't do that just as a spirit, spiritual being that he was as God, the son. So he's incarnated, fully God, fully man. And he brings those blessings. And then he takes your cares and concerns and brings them and purifies your prayers and crying out to God. So he's mediating God's blessings for his own, as Jacob does in verse 29 through 30. Common grace. He's using the provision that Laban has given to bless this messed up family that God is claiming as his own, by the way. And so there is provision through the mediator, verses 31 through 34. By the way, you've got to think the meat when there's a mediator here, this isn't the final one, obviously. You've got to think Jesus. Every time we're talking about this, Jesus says that all these passages point to him. So the Old Testament is just as much gospel as the New Testament is. All right. So he's securing the new blessings for his family. In verse 30, 31, he kind of shows his wisdom. He shows his wisdom. Um, excuse me. He says, when Laban says, what shall I give you? And he, he, uh, he knows what he wants before he goes in. Before he negotiates. Because he wants sheep. Because at that time, animals meant wealth. And so he wanted his sheep, verse 32, 
distinct from Laban's. And in a sense, providing for his family, Jesus even says, as the good shepherd, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me, meaning his people. He's providing even more blessing. But there's a spiritual warfare in verses 33 through 34. There's got to be a clarity on whose sheep is whose. And so verse 33, he lays out, verse 32, 33, lays out this whole thing of, of, um, of how those sheep will be recognized. He is gathering the sheep for his people. Now, Jacob does this in a sleight of hand kind of way. That's the way Jacob is and God blesses him. That's not saying that we should use underhanded, deceptive ways. God is still at work in, in Jacob and he is still a piece of work <laughs> as some of us are, all of us, right? Jesus says in the next verse in John 10, I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. That's the confidence you need to have, Nate. No one will snatch them out of Jesus' hand. And so then he gets agreement with this one from the seed of the serpent. In verse 34, Laban says, good, let it be so. Because he's planning something. Laban, remember, they met their, each of them basically mirror images of each other in their own earthly character, right? And so we have Jesus even negotiating with demons, not, not to give them something. All he wanted to do is get rid of them. You look there in um, Matthew 8, 31 through 32. And the, this is the, the, the man that was possessed with the legion of demons. Many demons were in him. And the demons begged him through the man, if you cast us out, send us away into the herd of pigs. And he said to them, go. So they came out and went into the pigs. And behold, the whole herd rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the waters. You see, the Lord ensures that the mediator gets all that he's earned. The demons, the, the world, the flesh and the devil cannot take away all that Christ has earned for you. Because the Lord protects and provides for his covenant people. And how does he do this? Through the mediator, he blesses first by honoring that mediator's work, as we just saw, and then by cursing the enemy's schemes, verses 35 through 36. The Lord allows the seed of the serpent, which means those that are really what we're all born as in this world. And we still have, even if we have the spirit of God living in us, we fight against the work of the devil inside of us. That's not the only thing. We have a sinful nature as well. So we sort of find it easy to go along with him. But the Lord allows the seed of the serpent to resist the mediator so that he can curse him. Notice the deception of Laban. How quick he is to sin in the first part of verse 35. Proverbs 6, 16 through 18 or 16 and 18 says, and I won't list all the things that, that there are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him. Won't list them all, but look at verse 18. A heart that devises wicked plans like Laban here is doing and feet that make haste to run to evil. And then you have Satan's helpers. He put the sheep in the charge of his sons. So the world, the flesh, and the devil are on display here in a rudimentary seed kind of form. So there's the deception, and then there's the distance in verse 36. Laban is hoping against hope that if he puts that distance of a three days journey between himself and Jacob, 
that good, I'll, I'll get all my sheep the way I want them, right? But Jacob's about to turn the tables on him. But look, look what Psalm 62 10 says. Put no trust in extortion and set no vain hopes on robbery. If riches increase, set not your heart on them. Why? Because the mediator is securing these things for you. The mediator is at work and Jacob pastured the rest of Laban's flock. The second half of verse 36. Notice how the mediator works. Continuing that passage from Hebrews 2, you see there in uh, the separate listing of Hebrews 2, 17. Therefore, meaning G he, meaning Jesus, had to be make, made like his brothers. You know, that's what you are, the brothers of Christ. He is our elder brother. So that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. Propitiation means to absorb the wrath of God. God has just anger against us for our sins. But thank God he poured it out on his son for us so that we wouldn't have to suffer that. That's why no one can snatch these sheep from Jesus' hand. And so the Lord allows the seed of the serpent to resist the mediator in order to curse that seed of the serpent because the Lord protects and provides for his covenant people. That covenant, that bond of love that he has with his people, it's his idea. How does he do this? Through the mediator he he blesses by honoring that mediator's work, cursing the enemy's schemes, and finally bearing his people's sins. Now, that's a weird application from this part of the story because this is the whole thing that Jacob takes those poles and he tears the stripes in them and puts them in front of the sheep. And when they mate in front of them, then the speckled and spotted lambs are born. And it's really strange. Well, this is part of the hangover of paganism with, with Jacob. And still God condescends, puts up with it, and still gives Jacob the strong provision. He's got those pagan beliefs hanging on. He comes from that stock. Laban is his, his mother's brother. But there is one mediator. And thank God it isn't this one. Because he's really still kind of messed up. But God... This is part of God pointing to the fact that Jesus had to come and become incarnate. Why? 2 Corinthians 5, 21, for our sake, God made him, meaning Christ Jesus, that's who the him is, made Christ Jesus to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That's what we get. We give Jesus our sin. He takes God's wrath. We get Jesus' righteousness and we get the blessing and smile of God. That's a pretty good deal, isn't it? That's what the mediator does. He secures that provision. And, and then finally, the salvation is worked in verses 42 through 43. First, we see that Satan's power is weakened in verse 42 because he got, look, Jacob, <laughs> deceptively, but nonetheless, God uses it, gives him the weaker sheep. Because there's going to be enmity between these two types of people, between the seed of the serpent and the seed of the woman. We're all born seed of the serpent, except for Jesus, right? Because he's the ultimate seed of the woman. He had to be sinless. He says, I will put enmity, which means mutual hostility between you and the woman. God's talking to Satan and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head. Do you want would you rather be on the team that was the head crushers? That's what Jesus is doing to Satan or the team that just bruises the heel that kind of snips and bites the heel. Jesus suffering on the cross. 
Either way, Jesus is winning in this one. And he's actually winning by losing at the cross because he rises from the dead and leaves our sins behind. And that's plundering Satan's hold on the world. Look at verse 43. Thus the man increased greatly and had large flocks, female servants and male servants and camels and donkeys. Now, none of this is justifying the way Jacob did it, but God is working through this anyway to provide for his people because it's all of grace. We don't deserve it. Jacob didn't deserve it. Look at Exodus 12, 36. That's, Moses wrote this, right? For the Exodus generation. And look what happened. They can see a parallel here, an echo chamber. Look at what it says in Exodus 12, 36. And the Lord had given people in the favor of the sight of the Egyptians. So they let them have what, what they asked. Thus they plundered the Egyptians. Thus they got all the Egyptians' riches after they had been enslaved by the Egyptians. So the application, the Lord defeats the enemy by placing all his people's sins on the mediator, including this mediator had to have his sins, obviously, because he's doing this weird pagan ritual with torn trees and getting spot. You know, God worked through it, but wasn't the right way. Jesus did it the right way. So the conclusion, God didn't spare his own son. There are blessings as well as curses that come out of the mediator. Romans 8.32, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? That won't happen totally this side of heaven, though it happens some. But one day in the new heavens and the new earth with new resurrected bodies, because of the mediator's work securing all the blessings, this whole earth will be remade. The meek shall inherit the earth, Jesus says, and we trust him for it. So you don't have to worry if you don't get everything you want. One of these days, it's all going to be yours without sin. And you'll have a great time loving Jesus, worshiping him, and loving the world that he made just for you. Jesus paid it all. Why? Because these people are his covenant people. We are his covenant people. It is that, remember the heart of the covenant. The covenant is just a formal way of doing it. The sign of baptism, the wedding band, all of those are formalized ways, but what's behind it all? What's behind it all is this heart of love that God has, that he would love the world so much that he would give his only begotten son, give up his life, the very best man, the very best human being who ever lived, who was fully God and fully man, so that we could have everlasting life. But he also curses. It's a dual edge on this sword. Look at Revelation 20, 15. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. It's a cautionary tale for now, for us right now. Come to Jesus. Place your faith in Jesus. He's secured as the mediator, one who stands in between to bring God's blessings to you, to take your sins, your needs, your burdens and bring them to God. Purify you before him. Purify your prayers before God the Father. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, grant to us a deeper awareness of your great love for us in Christ. As our great mediator through whom we have your great and loving covenant blessings. And by which in him you have made us your covenant people. Grant us a deeper awareness and a deeper love for him. We ask this in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen. Please take your hymnals now and turn to hymn number 308. Jesus paid it all. Stand if you are able. And we will sing together proclaiming Jesus' great love for us. Mm -hmm.